This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realized we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Raul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra-thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Raul wants is an inflatable waist. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. His only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740 in Toronto or on 96.7 FM on the internet. Live streaming www. I think I put one extra W in there. Zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster, the iconic one, Harry Neal. Good morning, Harry. How are you this morning? Fine. How are you? We're great. Thanks so much for joining us, Harry. Uh, let's get uh, let's get right to it, Harry. Your observations on this Toronto, this collection of Toronto Maple Leafs, this edition. Uh, they're off to uh, points wise. They're off to a great start. I. Everybody's thrilled about their performance last night because it was perhaps the most complete performance by a Toronto hockey team in a long time. Harry, uh, first of all, let's talk about last night. Uh, your your impressions of the game and the least performance. Well, I thought that could be the best game of the evening, and that turned out to be the best game for Toronto, but not for Edmonton. And both teams have a ability to put the face of the game up so it was a fast game and an entertaining one and Toronto who often <coughs> excuse me often uh, looks like the best team in the league and they did last night their uh, goals for no problem at all 
or goals against. Maybe need a little bit of a uh, a boost, but I like their team and look what they did without Matthews. Ness? Harry, how do you fix the Buffalo Sabres? Pardon? Uh, how do you fix the Buffalo Sabres, Harry? Well, sorry, I was burping when you asked me that question. <laughs> uh, they they're, they have some real problems. Uh, their best players have not been their best players, especially offensively. Uh, Skinner, uh, Eichel, uh, Poso, Hall, to name four of them. They're not the only four, but they're the top four. And when your best players aren't your best players, you're in deep trouble. And uh, they, they look to me like a team that could be a lot better than they are. And now their goaltender's out for a month. And Hutton came in and played pretty well last night. But, you know, it's hard to be a goalie on a team that doesn't score many goals. And, and you're looking at Buffalo in that department. So they're too far behind, I think, to catch up with reference to a playoff. It'll be interesting to see whether Kevin Adams, the general manager, uh, makes any moves to try and get better. Uh, I thought when I looked at their roster before the season started that they had a chance to be one of the most improved teams over last year but they haven't shown that at all. Uh, when your best players aren't your best players, you're in trouble. And if your best players are your best players, but they're, you're still not winning, that's a bigger problem. Uh, uh, um, Harry, uh, Lou Franceschetti is joining us today, so I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to Lou. Go ahead, Lou. Hi, Harry. Good morning. How are you, Lou? Uh, what, what's, your, uh, what's your status on, on the four divisions uh that they've installed this year uh, in the National Hockey League? Well, I think that the the, uh, uh, the divisions are fairly equal as far as uh, the race to make the playoffs are concerned. Uh, uh, I don't know what they'll do when they get a regular season on the books and to change the divisions, but I can see why they're doing what they're doing. But the schedule is really a, a problem, especially with the postponed games. Some teams have played six or eight games more than others at this point, and I know Buffalo's got five games in seven nights, and uh, they're not the only team that has to go through that. Toronto's in Edmond for three straight games. Um, we're talking to Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster, Harry, of course, Harry, had a long career as a coach. Uh, the first shoe dropped in the NHL coaching fraternity this week, Harry. Uh, Claude Julien. Uh, was relieved of his duties in Montreal, which uh, sort of um, was sort of like an earthquake in a lot of ways. I didn't think a lot of people saw that coming. Um, there was a wise, wise old, uh, wise, wise coach uh, uh, once said, "Goaltending is seventy-five percent of your game unless you don't have it. Then it's a hundred percent." Wise guy once said that. Harry, uh, Claude Julien. Of course, I'm. And being facetious, that, of course, quote, is yours, Harry. Uh, the goalie <laughs> tends to make the coach. Are you surprised at all that the Montreal's uh, pulled, uh, pulled the plug on, uh, on Claude so quickly? Yeah, I, I was surprised. And, you know, there might be other reasons that they're not mentioning with reference to the roster and the slow start that Montreal got after it looked like they were going to be a good team. And they still might be. But uh, it, it always surprises me when... Uh, the coaches fired, you know, a third of the way through the season with a long time to go, and it's not as if Montreal's in last place. Uh, they're still capable of making the playoffs. If they started today, they'd be in. So it was a surprise, and I'm wondering whether it was a severe disagreement between the manager or the owner and 
uh, Claude Julian uh, with reference to what Montreal was doing. But I don't know the inside story, but it was a surprise to me. Uh, on that note, Harry, uh, there, there's a great hockey story that you've told uh, over the years. It's uh, it's the three envelope story when it comes to uh, coaches. Uh, I, I'm sure our listeners uh, w- would love to hear that one this morning. Harry, are you, are you up to uh, telling us the three envelope uh, the three envelope story for coaches? Yeah, when I got the job in Detroit, and I was went to the office before the season to straighten it out and find out what I needed and didn't. I found uh, three envelopes uh, in a big, big envelope. And the first envelope said, open it, your first emergency. So we lost a couple of games, and then we won a couple, then we lost a couple, and I thought, that's an emergency. So I, I opened the first envelope, and uh, it said, uh, the second envelope said, open when you win three games in a row. And I waited, and, and uh, we we weren't a very good team, and finally we won three in a row. And I opened the envelope, and it said, if you don't keep doing this, open the third envelope. It means you're fired. <laughs> uh, great story. Ned? Harry, the Montreal Canadiens have uh, six years left on Terry Price's contract at $10.5 million a year. <laughs> what do they do with that? you see a buyout coming out soon? I don't know. uh uh, budget is a real problem for, with some of the teams when your best players who are making that kind of money are not your best players. Now, I'm not blaming Price for Montreal, uh, any problems they've got. He's not quite the dominant uh, number one goalie in the league the way he has been. But when you sign a guy for that length of time at that money, then uh, you're asking for trouble because that's a that's a long time. And most teams, most good teams, or teams that should be good are close to the budget and who knows what that's going to be next year so it'll be interesting to see what happens it'll be a costly move whatever they do keep them or get rid of them Luke um you know what <laughs> who do you think is the best team next to uh next to Toronto in the Canadian division now since uh, it looks like uh there's probably going to be a, a run to the races or a run to the end of the year between the next uh, five teams other than the Leafs. Well, I think Edmonton's got the best possibility of finishing uh, up there ahead of some of the other teams. I like Winnipeg uh, some nights, but some nights I don't know what happens to them. They don't look like the Winnipeg did the night before. And the other four teams aren't good enough to cause a real problem for the first, second, or third place team. So I'd say Edmonton who are trailing a little bit now, uh, might catch up. But Toronto is clearly the best team, and if they keep playing the way they're playing, they're going to run away with it. Uh, talking about the Toronto being the best team in, in the North Division, um, you know, in Toronto, <laughs> Toronto Maple Leaf fans are certainly excited right now. Um, certainly after last night's game, we are because just the way they uh, just the way they dominated that game. Uh, what do you see different about this uh, this team, uh, Harry? Um, you know, much criticized uh, last year, year before. What what is it that you're seeing different about this team? We've got Thornton. We had Simmons for a short period of time. He was really effective. You know, Spezza shows. You know, showed his offensive talent last night on a on a really really nice goal. Uh, froze the goalie and then. Uh, moved it off to the side. Um, what are you seeing about this team that impresses you, Harry? Well, I think their their depth is 
is a lot better, and you're talking about guys like Spezza, who they've added. But some of the young players have turned out to be as good as they thought they were, but it takes a little while, especially in a city like Toronto. It's not as patient as some of the other NHL cities with their players. And their goaltending, which has been a bit of a, uh, a concern, looks like it's better. And they're defensively as a team. They look better to me. They've, they've always been, a, in the last few years, a strong offensive team, but got themselves in trouble because they weren't good defensively or their goaltending was questionable. And they've improved in those two areas. And when your defensive team is decent and your offensive team is maybe the best in the league, you're going to finish where you want to finish. Yes. Is Ralph Kruger the next one to drop? Coach? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you pick the Buffalo papers up, it's a prediction <laughs> that a lot of people are making. The coach always gets blamed for uh, the team that looks like they're going to be better, but they're not. And as I said earlier, when your best players aren't your best players, I don't know whether it's the coach's fault, but that doesn't mean they won't make a change. And I think if this continues, they might. But it would be uh, it would be unfair. But it often is unfair when you blame the coach for what the players aren't doing. We did, we tend not to focus too much on what's going down in Buffalo, even though it's 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 like right down the highway. Um, what's uh, what's happened to Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall this year? Let by last review of them, they've only got three goals. What, these guys are 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 as you say, like your best players. What's happened to them? I don't know what's happened to me. You can add Skinner. He hasn't got a goal yet. And Skinner as well, yeah. And uh, so I think that the, those guys need an enema. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, or, or they need, or as I say, they need, they need. I mean, uh, we, we, the, the, the much maligned guy here in Toronto over the course of the last month, and in some respects unfairly, uh, has been William Nylander, um, you know, uh, criticized by by. By, by some people here, although he's an all-world talent, uh, I guess I guess I, I, the Buffalo sports writers, I'm sure, are are all over the team. What's what's going on in the Buffalo media uh, in terms of their criticism of of some of these players? Well, uh, they you know they uh, Buffalo started the season when you looked at their lineup that they were going to be an improved team over last year. Now whether they were going to make the playoffs or not, who knows in that division? But now it's pretty clear that they're not going to make the playoffs and they're not the team that the coach or the fans or the management thought they were going to be because their best players aren't their best players and defensively they've improved their defense core but they're still as a team not defensively as strong as they have to be and you know you got to be able to play without the puck because you don't have it all the time and uh, Buffalo is not scoring any goals and when you're mentioning those four players that are in a terrible goal-scoring slump, you're asking for trouble, and Buffalo's got it. Luke? Uh, Harry, uh, from what you just said, their top four players aren't scoring. Do you think it could be a part of uh, Kruger's uh, defensive system? Because he's always been a defensive-style coach, and, and maybe those four players that have, have had a tough time buying in to a, not necessarily a defensive system that he's trying to install, but it's taken away from the offensive flair uh, that they can bring to a game. Because you, you look at, they got Eichel, they bring in Taylor Hall, they got Skinner coming off 30 goals, and then they bring in a KG veteran like Stahl to more or less settle that front line. Uh, do you think that could be part of the uh, part of the problem? I don't know. It's uh, It's hard to believe. The better you play defensively, 
the more often you're on, you've got the puck. And uh, Buffalo's defensive play has not been good. Their goaltending, Allmark, although he's out for a month or more, has been pretty good most nights. Now, whether Hutton can take over, he was all right last night, I thought, in the 3 nothing loss. It certainly wasn't his fault. And ask any goaltender, when your team doesn't score, the heat's on for the goalie, right? whether it's one, two, or three goals. So uh, I don't know whether Kruger's... Uh, it's not as if Buffalo's a great defensive team, so if that's what he's preaching, if that's what he's concentrating on, it's not working. And, uh, you know, I've often said, the better you are defensively, the better your chances are of being pretty good offensively. And when one's bad, the other suffers too. I'm talking to Harry. Uh, Harry, uh, we'll let you go. Before we do, um, the the highlight of the year for the Leafs so far has been the play of Marner and Matthews together. Uh, those two guys, uh, uh, they're a treat to watch um, every single night. Matthews uh, out in the game last night, but Marner uh, didn't lose a step. Um, your, your observations of uh, the seasons that Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews are having. Well, they they may be the best two players in the league. They certainly look like it a lot of nights. And I hope Matthews, who's supposed to have a bad wrist, uh, isn't going to be out for any length of time. But that's an annoying little injury you've got. And for a guy who's as good with the puck as he is, uh, that that complicates it a little. So, But those two players are, are, are excellent. And I don't know whether there's a better right now, whether there's a better pair on any team in the league. And certainly... They lead the Leafs offensively, but I think it's a little easier for them this year when they've got other players on the team and other line mates that, uh, that aren't playing with either one of those guys uh, are starting to add to the offensive total, and it's not co- completely on the two of them. Anyways, Naz, last question for Harry, and then we'll let him go. There seems to be no panic on the Leafs defense. I find the defense has been the key this year, Harry. How important is uh, that to their success? I think it's the most improved part of their team. And, uh, uh, you know, they've, for the past two or three or four years, they it hasn't been offense that's been the problem. It's been uh, preventing goals, and and uh, they've, they've made some additional people. And their young defensemen, a couple of young defensemen, have really improved. And their goaltending's been excellent this year. So I think that's the area they had to improve in if they want to take – a real chance at being successful when the playoffs come. Anyways, we've been talking to Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster Harry Neal. Harry, uh, as always, um, it's always a privilege talking to you. It's always much appreciated. We thank you so much for taking your time to uh, share your hockey insights and your hockey knowledge with uh, with us and our listeners. Thanks so much, Harry. Okay, the next time you get stuck for uh, personality, give me a call. Uh, we always will. Take care, Harry. Stay safe. Thanks so much. Right on. Harry Neal. Uh, just before we go to break, guys, uh, just briefly touched upon it. I don't want to make an issue out of it, but Nylander, William Nylander, uh, looked good this week, guys. Naz? Trying to make a trade to Colorado for Nazem Kadri. <laughs> you, uh, oh, my God. Uh, let, I, we're, we're starting the Nylander trade rumors. Uh, I don't know. I I. I, I think Nylander maybe you know if the Leafs are going to go to the promised land, he's he's they've got to extract the you know and I think it's all about consistency. When he plays his game, he's uh, he's a damn good hockey player. 
Um, and he showed it uh, in that overtime the other night. That's uh, that goal he scored. You you need a certain talent skill set to be able to to do that, uh, Lou. Uh, let's not pick on Willie Neenlander, but uh, he did have a better week and uh, won him a game the other night and uh, looked pretty good last night as well. Uh, I mean, we we often criticize him because he's. Um, you know he's you know he gets criticized for being a perimeter player. He doesn't go to the dirty areas. All these hockey cliches. But why would we expect him to? That's not really his game, right? Um, you know you gotta you gotta exploit the talent level and the skill set of the player. Um, I still think you know if the Leafs are going to go a long way, forgetting about Naz's trade rumors. No, uh, I was kidding about that one. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah, you're Naz. Lou, uh, Leaf's going to go to the promised land, and Willie's going to be an important part. He has to be an important part of this team, doesn't he, Lou? He, he really does, and uh, people forget. <laughs> William Nylander is going to be William Nylander. That's, that's, when they drafted him, they got an inconsistent superstar. When, when he feels like going, he can, he can be the best player in the league. And I think he's going to be the key to this team moving forward, because during the playoffs, when they come, the teams are going to find a way to shut down Matthews and, and Marner. Uh, and I think Tavares and Nylander are the two guys that are more or less going to have to step up and, and really put this team on their shoulders and carry them uh, if, if that happens in the playoffs. And listen, it, it, it is what it is. What, whatever you see with Nylander, what you're going to get. Some nice I, I, like I, playing, I, I, I think, and it's all in effort. It's, yeah. That's all it is. It's just effort. And drive and, and willing to, to to put that extra work ethic uh, ahead uh, because we know he's got all the skills, we know he's got all the talent. You watch him on the ice, the things that he does with his stick um, and his skates and and the puck on it, he's better than Marner. Uh, but it's just an enigma on how you can get him to play uh, like that for 80 games or even 70 games. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully for 16 games, and it's playoffs I'm referring to, because uh, that's where that's where it's going to count. Uh, interesting, interesting thing about w- William Nylander. I read this week in a report. Uh, he's actually usually the first guy on the ice for Leafs practices, and the last guy off the ice for Leafs practices. There's he likes the and he's he's got a passion for the game. Uh, I guess sometimes fans get frustrated because we realize how talented he he is. Uh, and you know, we we you know we'd love to see more out of him, but that you know that's that's his game. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he keeps it going the way he has the uh, the way he has the last week. Anyways, on that note, we've got to go to break. We'll be right back with Steve Scott We're talking some golf and talking some Tiger. Be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the medium gourmet pizza special. Get a medium gourmet pizza for just thirteen ninety nine. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He's only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. 
Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. trading cards and sports merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new M70 in Toronto, 96.7 FM on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Steve Scott. Steve Scott's golf commentator, uh, competed on the PGA Tour, won a Canadian Tour uh, golf event, and perhaps uh, remembered infamously battled Tiger Woods in the infamous 1996 U.S. Amateur Final, one of the most iconic days in golf history, uh, most compelling theater on a golf course I've ever seen. Uh, Steve, welcome. Welcome back. No, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a, it's a Pleasure having you, Steve. Uh, the big story in the golf world, the big story in the sporting world this week. We woke up uh, the other morning. Uh, they woke up in California, and uh, Tiger Woods, who's uh, was uh, you were you were there when the legend of Tiger Woods first started back in 1996. Um, we had heard that he had he was in a terrible car accident. Initially, we were very very concerned about whether he'd even make it through because we were getting pictures of the car off the highway, the jaws of life they had to use, uh, and all of that. So in the early minutes of that story, we were we were concerned. And then as the week developed, you know, he's uh, he's got he's got some challenges uh, coming back. Um, I'd like you to comment on uh, you know more you uh, you know quite a bit about the spirit of, of of Tiger Woods. What are the challenges? You're a golfer. You understand what it takes to be successful or and to play golf at a high level with these injuries and knowing Tiger. What are the challenges uh, from here forward? What what can we expect on this story in the coming days, Steve? Well, first of all, I think you have to understand that Tiger Woods, you never count him out ever <laughs> for anything. I, you he learned is, that first he's kinda like that he's kinda like that liquid metal guy in Terminator two that just keeps <laughs> on coming back. I mean, seriously, he is he's I mean, what he's done I mean what he did at the two thousand nineteen Masters was just unreal. I mean, with all the surgeries and then the, the mental 
toll that has been taken on on his mind throughout everything. Um, look, I mean, I, I think right now, as as far as what just happened this week goes, I think Tiger is. I, I mean, golf. He may not play ever again, which is really sad to say. But it's it's extremely possible he may not play again. Uh, we have to, as fans of the game um, and historians of the game, we have to understand that fact. And um, you know, right now, I mean, the big thing is, geez, let's just you know, he's just got to be healthy for his family. I mean, I mean, super lucky to be alive, uh, according to the police reports and. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out kind of what happened and how, you know, how he was distracted driving and, and maybe how fast he was going. And it was interesting that the word came out that he had no recollection of the, of the crash. And so there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of questions to be answered about what just happened. But, you know, in the short term, I mean, you know, he is the greatest player that, that has lived in our, you know, in our recent generation here. So. You know, we, we certainly wish him absolute best. And, you know, as a past competitor of his and opponent, I mean, yeah, you just never, you can't never count the guy out. Uh, before I turn it over to Nez and, uh, and Lou, Steve, I just want to follow up. Uh, you're also a, a contributor for Golf Week magazine. You were quoted this week uh, discussing how important the legs are and the feet and all of that is the foundation of a golf swing. Um, so that's where Tiger's challenges probably are. And interesting, the, the historic precedent for this is Ben Hogan, who was involved in a, in a terrible accident in 1949, ended up being a movie with Glenn Ford playing the lead part, uh, Follow the Sun. Uh, Hogan was in a car accident, got hit by a bus. I don't think he had the extent of the leg injuries that Tiger had, but he had some broken bones, some broken, you know, he got, you know, and he was... Uh, they feared for his life. Hogan came back and won five majors after that, uh, but he was only 35, 36 at the time. Um, was. I think I think really you're comparing apples to oranges, though, at this point. I mean, I, I think that, you know, Tiger being 45 and having gone through all the surgeries that he has, I mean, he's, what, 12, 15 surgeries? I mean, I haven't counted exactly, but I know that the list is pretty lengthy, and, you know, he was just getting over another back surgery his fifth back surgery uh recently and when we heard him uh talk at the at the riviera uh, last week with uh, jim nance on the interview but yeah tiger's gone through a lot more than ben hogan did um you know to the point of this of this current crash and yeah i mean who knows I, it would be it would be unbelievable if tiger could come back and you know play golf again let alone it'll win a tournament again. I, I think that would be, I don't know. I, I, I guess I feel like that's a stretch, but on the other end, you know, I've heard, I've heard some doctors say, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, put it past him to be able to play again. Uh, Nance, what was your reaction when you first heard the news? Having the accident? Oh, I mean, certain shock and certain, you know, you look at the car and you think, you think the worst, um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, and, and you think about, um, yeah, you just, you think about his kids and you think about, you know, the, the, and then you, you know, in the last year, you know, with Kobe Bryant, uh, in a tragic accident, not too far from where Tiger crashed. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it, you know, it was a surreal moment for sure. And it's, it's pretty remarkable, uh, you know, 
testament to the technology of the car, <laughs> the car that he was in with all the airbags and the fact that he had a seatbelt on and uh, the fact that responders could get to him right away. I mean, you know, there are there are steeper cliffs in and around Los Angeles, and, you know, he was just kind of lucky that that he veered off maybe where he did. I mean, if there could have been another spot, uh, who knows what would have happened. Luke? Uh, Steve, uh, we know what Tiger did for golf by putting it on the map and, and salary skyrocketing and television networks going after the uh, going after the, the golf events. Is there anybody out there uh, that is going to pick up the mantle from Tiger, uh, whether they're 20 or 21 years old? I know there's a lot of good young golfers uh, out there that like Spieth and uh, uh, Kupka and, and, and guys mm-hmm. like that that can more or less they can stabilize it. But is there anybody out there that, that more or less can put golf on their back and, and bring it to that next level like like Tiger did? Or is Tiger just one of those generational uh, golfers that you're not going to see for a long time? Just one of those generational golfers. I mean, there's, you know, as exciting as Colin Morikawa or Bryson DeChambeau are right now. I mean, Tiger being the first dominant black golfer uh, and, you know, superiorly dominant black golfer to uh, to come to the scene and the way he came on the scene and and the timing of his arrival to professional golf. Um, no, I, I think there's just too many there's too many things that uh, that lined up for Tiger to, you know, for for somebody else to have a similar story. I mean, it might you know, we may never see a player that has impacted the game of golf ever in our lifetime, um, uh, like the way Tiger did. Uh, we're, talking Charlie? To, uh, we're talking to Steve Scott. Steve, uh, you won on the Canadian Tour. There, there's another gentleman that uh, was very successful on the Canadian Tour that's in the lead today at, at, a, at a seniors event, Mike Weir. And Canadian, right. go, go, Canadian golf fans are... Uh, you know, this sort of caught me by surprise. Mike Weir's had his struggles uh, over the last uh, over the last few years, and uh, uh, been keeping a, uh, an eye on him the last day or so. And he, he's going into uh, he's got a two shot lead in the Cola Guard. That would be uh, man. It's got Canadian golf fans excited all of a sudden. He's one of the one of the icons in Canadian golf. Uh, you had uh, you played up here for a while, Steve. Uh, Mike Weir wins the tournament. Uh, uh, your thoughts? Well, certainly, I, I, I was certainly watching his uh, his progression the last few years. He's starting to play an awful lot better, and it's it, you know, Mike Weir is he's great for the game. Um, he's great for obviously he's a hero in Canada. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, we'll see if he can he can pull it off today. Looks like he's striking the ball really well. He hardly missed a fairway yesterday at all. Uh, maybe he missed the 17th by a, a couple feet. I mean, other than that, uh, and he still had a short iron into a par five. But, um, yeah, Mike Weir is, uh, he certainly carries a lot of the hopes of, of Canadian golfers. And, and yeah, everybody north of the border up there really loves the game. I played three years, like you alluded to, and uh, on the Canadian tour and played in a couple Canadian Opens and, the Air Canada Championship out in Vancouver when it existed back in the day, and uh, yeah, Canada is a great place for golf. Love. Uh, I I wish I could play up there all the time. I know you guys have a a pretty short golf season up there, and and you're probably itching to get out there right now. 
Steve, uh, uh, you know, Mike's not the biggest guy. Uh, you know, Jordan Spieth is, uh, seems to have a bit of a renaissance this year. He's been in contention a few times. He's not the, he's not the biggest guy. Um, you know, you're, uh, you know, the golf seems to be gravitating towards these big muscle bound guys. Uh, What's the role of the little men in, in golf these days? Are, has, has the technology and the length sort of made guys like Mike Weir and some of the smaller guys anachronisms? Uh, unfortunately, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, what we see on tour nowadays, you see guys like, like uh, Dustin Johnson, 6'4". Patton Kizire is another player uh, who's been a steady player on tour. He's, he's 6'5", I believe. Um, yeah, there, you're, you're seeing you're seeing athletes in the last ten or fifteen years gravitate towards the game of golf that may have played other sports, uh, but because because going back to Tiger and Tiger making golf as cool as he did, you're, you're seeing the evolution of the player be you know over six foot, six foot two, six foot four. I mean, you take a guy like a Luke Donald um, or a Mike Weir or Zach Johnson or these players who have achieved, uh, you know, one green jackets in Augusta or achieved number one status in the world. I, I don't think you're ever going to see a, a, a Luke Donald type ever achieve the number one player in the world ever again, because, you know, just, a, a you know, being a, sh- a shorter than average hitter, but a, a great putter and chipper, there's just too many golf courses nowadays that the two players play. They're so long. And, and there, look, there are, there are certain golf courses that the shorter hitter can Take advantage of uh, a Y lie out in Hawaii, Colonial in Fort Worth. Um, there's certain venues that the tour player, that the shorter player, Kevin Kisner, can can play well on. Uh, even the concession this week, a little shorter player is not not doing, not faring too horribly. Um, you know, the Webb Simpsons of the world, that sort of thing. So, but yeah, I, I think um, your 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 modern uh, prototypical PGA Tour player, if you're not you know, if you're not six foot or taller and you don't fly the ball 300 yards or more, I, I mean, it's sad to say you might you might want to take up another sport. <laughs> I mean, professionally at least. Yeah, certainly the game has changed. On that note, Steve, we're going to let you go. Um, always a pleasure for me to talk golf. Uh, you and I have uh, have a have a, a match at Inverness in our future. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we, I can get back across <laughs> the border. Uh, so I uh, hope to see you again real soon, Steve, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Steve Scott. Uh, Lou, Naz, we got about five, six minutes left. Um, you know, another uh, interesting story this week perhaps uh, we should touch upon in Sports Talk Radio in, in, in Canada. Tim and Sid are no uh, – Tim, uh, Sid has moved on to uh, – Breakfast Television in Toronto. Uh, Tim is uh, going to continue on with other guests. They've had. Uh, I think it's appropriate to to discuss the great run that they've had. Um, great, uh, you know, they developed an extremely extremely loyal audience. Uh, they uh, gra- they grew as a team from their early days at the Score. Uh, always entertaining. Uh, always forthright, uh, strong opinion. Sid was the ultimate entertainer. Um, sad, I'm pretty sad to see Sid Six Zero uh, leave uh, leave uh, Sports Talk Radio. I mean, he hasn't left the broadcasting business, but uh, Tim and Sid uh, certainly uh, entertained us uh, for a significant period of time. And 
We wish uh, Sid all the best in his future endeavors. Ness? He's become a Zoomer now. He's going to be on breakfast television. That's a Zoomer speech. <laughs> you know what? The young people are taking over the business, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, which is you know that which is which is reality. Uh, you know, I mean, um, you know, Tim and Sid, uh, nice little uh, nice little show they had for a long period of time. Um, I don't know. I don't know who's going to fill that slot. We miss McCowan. You know. He, uh, he was he was the franchise for the longest period of time, and then Tim and Sid uh, sort of came in, and uh, you know, uh, sports talk radio uh, uh, has certainly changed. Uh, TSN has shut down a couple of stations across the across the country. Uh, it's an industry, uh, uh, not not just sports talk radio, but you know. Media in general is in a significant state of upheaval these days as the world is changing. So all I can say is I wish, I wish Sid all the best in his future endeavors. Uh, he's had, uh, he was infamous for some of his rants that were, were significantly entertaining. Intelligent guy, Tim McAuliffe, also an intelligent, uh, intelligent, and we wish him the best in his continued endeavors on, uh, on Sportsnet at five o'clock in the afternoon. Well, uh, Really? Certainly we're wish them 17 the years while well, we were together. 17 years. Yeah, long time. Time flies, yeah. does it, Nat? Uh, we're oh, heading yes. into March next month. We've been doing this for in our in our second incarnation <laughs> in the sports stuff world. It's hard to believe uh, we're, we've been doing it seven years, and uh, we're a little bit older than these guys. But uh, uh, you know, you don't you you wonder where the time went. Uh, on uh, any any thoughts, Lou, Tim, and Sid? Before uh, we got about three minutes left, there's an, another quick topic I'd like to bring up. Well, you Lou? know what? There's, there's really nobody that's going to bring the passion that uh, that Sid brought, you know, the feistiness, the uh, the Portuguese fire, as I would like to say. Yeah. It. Uh, and also, I, I I'm going to miss him running in those leotards on, <laughs> on Lakeshore, uh, and, and probably doing a forty in about seven seconds. Yeah, you know what? I think Sid and and you know, and Tim is the Tim's the perfect they're they're perfect for each other, right? Tim was the perfect foil for Sid and vice versa. Sid, the I call him the ultimate entertainer. Yeah, he's like he's the WWE of sports talk radio. I mean, I think these guys understood understood that you know it's it's not just about going on the air and re- and reciting some facts and you know it's about opinions, but it's about entertainment. Uh, people want to be entertained. They want to be, I mean, a lot of times, you know, like in this business, in this business, not that it's my business, but in the, in, in the business, it's, it's not about people agreeing with you. It's about people disagreeing with you. Like you, you get half your listeners listen in because they don't agree with you. Uh, they want to hear controversial opinions. And I think Sid understands that. And, uh, Bumped into him at a time, as you'll remember, uh, bumped into him at your son's wedding at a brief. He's a pretty serious guy, you know. He's it's it's almost like he's it's like McCown. They've got this persona on the air, and then in, you know, in, in real life, they're really decent, uh, soft-spoken guys. And uh, yeah, Tid Tid Sid Sid could certainly entertain, uh, no question about it. And you know, Vince McMahon understands. You know what brings what brings listeners in, their viewers in, is you got to entertain. And uh, and Sid, you know, as you said, Lou, you know, getting into that jumpsuit, running down, I can't remember what street that was, and you know, he had the, he had the greatest facial expressions, and um, 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's kind of tough for me to wake up that early and watch TV. I'm uh, watch them on breakfast television, but I'm going to miss him at uh, at five o'clock in the afternoon and watching some of his uh, some of his rants on uh, on uh, on YouTube and that kind of stuff. I remember the infamous one when Italy missed the World Cup, and Sid went Sid went crazy. So you can't have a World Cup without Italy. Uh, and Tim, you know, give him all the credit in the world. Uh, we wish him the best uh, in continuing the show. Uh, we don't know where that it's going to be. Tim and somebody else at some point, I presume. So you know, Sports Talk Radio, uh, as we've always said, Naz, we're uh, we're fans on the air. Uh, we listen to these guys. I listen to McCown. I wish them the best. They're not our competition. We never looked at it that way. Uh, we let we enjoy listening to good sports talk radio and uh you know and uh whenever it's on the air we always take advantage so once again really really quickly oh unfortunately naz it's 10 o'clock uh talked out uh, naz i'll give you the last word swing is coming soon so get the golf clubs ready okay yeah, i'm certainly uh, certainly getting ready lou thanks so much for joining us always a pleasure to all our listeners uh have a fantastic and safe hey wally march is tomorrow okay Got it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care, everyone. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also uh, joining us today, uh, former Washington Capitol, Toronto Maple Leafs, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good. How are you, Wally? Uh, a, little, a little bit of a high this morning. Uh, Leafs, uh, perhaps their most dominant uh, performance in a long time. Uh, they uh, They look like a playoff ready team last night i'll give them all the credit in the world uh, to our listeners if you if you missed the game last night you probably missed one of the best leaf performances in a long time shut down uh connor mcdavid in a way that uh hasn't been shut down in a long time great great goaltending performance so yeah naz uh feeling pretty good this morning also joining us lou franceschetti good morning lou how are you Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? We're doing good, thanks, Lou. Uh, a little bit of you more. You money on the lease last night. <laughs> you have money on the lease last night, Lou. <laughs> no, it listen. It, uh, it, I, I thought it was a dominating game. They they took away every uh, part of the rink that they possibly can, and then Campbell make a, made up uh, with some big stops when he had to make them up. Yeah. Going to get right back to you guys on that. Just to let our listeners know, we uh, will be chatting with uh, after the first break uh, around nine twenty with Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster Harry Neal. Harry's uh, Harry's doing well and uh, anxious to uh, chat up some uh, chat up some hockey this morning. And after the second break, the big story of the week was the uh, in the sports world was the uh, unfortunate accident. Uh, Tiger Woods in in L.A. Uh, fortunately, it was not a tragic accident. Uh, he's recovering, and we're pleased to join us. Uh, golf commentator, uh, f- former golf pro. He's a golf pro now. A former PGA Tour played a bit on the PGA Tour. Won a Canadian PGA Tour. 
Uh, he's been on the show before and infamously was right there at the beginning when Tiger started his career. He was the uh, he had that infamous battle with Tiger back in the 1996 U.S. Amateur Final match. We're talking about Steve Scott. We'll have Steve on uh, in the second half of the hour. Guys, getting back to the Leafs. Uh, no question, most complete game of the year. Um, all kinds of different stories from that game. Uh, Tavares uh, look a little bit like the Johnny of old. Uh, hasn't, uh, um, you know, it's perhaps he hasn't, I'd say he's probably been not happy with his offensive production so far this year. He's a competitor. He likes to play at the very top of his game. The Leafs are missing Austin Matthews last night. Tavares uh, stepped up and played his best game of the season, no question. But let's talk about the goaltending. Naz, uh, Jack Campbell, um, he looked pretty good last night, Naz. Uh, you know, the, the, whenever, whenever he got tested, he looked not so much that he got the shutout. He looked like he was rock steady in there. Uh, played with confidence and uh, didn't uh, look like, uh, you know what, if, if that's what the Leafs have in the number two hole, uh, you can throw them in quite a few more games, Naz. Absolutely. I mean, he would always be happy to have him in that the way he played last night. Uh, Mike Buda said on our show a few weeks ago that he thought Jack Campbell was underrated and he would do very well in Toronto. He's been right. He's, well, uh, uh, he's pretty good goalie. <laughs> he certainly showed it last uh, last night. Lou, uh, Let's pick up on the Jack Campbell uh, story from last night. Um, more or less, the game overall, uh, you know, Leafs uh, Leafs are playing a tight. They were playing a tight game, uh, trying to shut down McDavid, trying to shut down Drysaddle. It's not that Edmonton didn't have their chances; they had their chances. Um, but uh, Campbell looked pretty unflappable back there. Pretty a well earned shutout. Let's put it that way, Lou. Well, um, you know what. <laughs> That's the reason why they got Jack Campbell. Uh, he, he's not uh, he's not really a backup goalie. I think I mentioned it earlier in the in the year, maybe one of your first shows that uh, when the league started, the Leafs gonna they're gonna have to have a, a sit down and have a tough decision on whether they want to re-sign uh, Frederick Anderson at the end of the year if Jack Campbell keeps playing the way he is. And more or less, uh, Sheldon Keith and the organization uh, they, they can. They've got to make a big, big decision here. Do they run with Jack Campbell if they keep getting the inconsistency in, uh, in Frederick Anderson? Or do they go back to Anderson because of loyalty? Uh, and with Jack Campbell playing as well as he did last night, that's, that's a good uh, card to have uh, in, a, in your back pocket just in case uh, there's any scenes of uh, Frederick Anderson going back to his inconsistencies. Well, I, I made, uh, we had the discussion when the season was about to start. It's 56 game schedule in, in, uh, in a short period of time. Uh, a lot of back to backs, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, two, three game sets. Leafs, I think, come back with Edmonton. Uh, they're out west and, uh, you know, they got to go, they got to go toe to toe with these guys again. If I'm not mistaken, you guys can correct me. I believe it's Monday night. Um, two more times this week. Sorry, Nath? Two more times this week. Yeah, they got they got him in a couple of times. So you got these uh, a lot of games in short periods of time. And I said before this season started, I, the, one of the keys to the leaf season and for any other team in the NHL for that matter is you can't afford any off nights from your backup goalie. Your your backup goalie this year, you literally, if you want to be successful, you have to have a one A and a one B. Uh, I mean, there's only so much you can extract from your from your top guy. 
And and the Leafs uh, this week, it was Jack Campbell last night. You know, they lost that game against Calgary, but I thought Hutchinson played pretty well this week too. So, you know, the, the Leafs' backup goalies have stepped up this year, uh, you know, been criticized over the last few years. We know when Freddie wasn't in net that, uh, you know, we're almost, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, giving away two points. That that may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I, I think the overall point is understood. Uh, with Jack Campbell and Hutchinson, the Leafs aren't giving away points uh, this year. Um, you know, we get we get a few more performances like Campbell that night puts a little bit of pressure on uh, Freddie Anderson. And come playoff time, you're going to have some you're going to have some rested goalies, and that may that may make a huge difference. And you got your D playing. Uh, you know, there was an overall defensive effort last night. Like Naz, I'd like you to comment on that. Um, you know, it was, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the game, a lot of the leap forwards. Uh, you know, Engvall and uh, Mikiev, they were, they were doing, they played probably their best games of the season. Um, total two-way effort last night, Naz. TJ Brody was the star of the game on defense. He was awesome up there. At the beginning of the year, they were, of course, out of Calgary. He looked like. Um, our uh, our buddy, uh, um, what's his name? Gardner, Jake Gardner. Oh, Jake Gardner. Yeah, he's, and he's not. He he's very very good. Good defense. Yeah. Uh, Lou, uh, your your overall impressions of the Leafs total game lads. I mean, it's it's like we're. I know we're sort of belaboring this, but it was such an impressive performance that it's not. It's not the game you usually see from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, they're ultra talented. Uh, you know, let's let's you know they're you know playing. Uh, I think they're sixteen four and two now, or whatever they are. They're you know they're uh, number one team in the NHL in terms of point production. So you know we want to give credit where credit is due. But last night's performance was, uh, I mean, that was at the top of the food chain in terms of Leaf performances for a while, wasn't it, Lou? It, it really was. And, and being an ex-player, when you go on the road and, you, and you're playing a high offense team like like Edmonton. Uh, the, the one thing you want to do is you want to take away that space. Um, you know, it, I went into as as, as a Washington Capitol. We'd go into to Edmonton, and obviously we're facing Messier, Curry, and and uh, and the great one. Uh, we just went in there and made sure that we won every zone. The, the offensive zone, we were hard on the puck. Def- in the neutral zone, we'd make sure they wouldn't get any speed, especially guys with Paul Coffey uh, bringing up the puck. And in our own zone, we just more or less, we made sure that we took the man out and, and eliminated any other passes. And then we, it, it was more or less, it was a it was a team thing, and everybody bought into it. And that's what happens when a team like the Leafs, uh, where in recent uh, history, have not gone into uh, uh, other buildings and, and played a good, solid, uh, three periods and good solid uh, zone play uh, in, in all three zones. Uh, and uh, other, I mean, there's so much part of this uh, Leaf team, um, parts of their game that we can talk about. We've got to go to Harry Neal, but I'll just leave it off at this. You know, last Sunday we were talking about uh, the uh, much criticized Willie Nienlander. Of course, Willie Nienlander had a pretty good week, uh, especially in that Calgary game that. Uh, you know, he scored, he displayed his all-world talent in that overtime and in, in that goal that he scored. Uh, so, you know, nobody's ever criticized Willie for his talent level. His consistency, uh, perhaps he can be fairly criticized. But I figure out, I figured, guys, I'll leave it at this. I figured out the coaching strategy for Willie Nylander. We just got to get Steve Simmons to write a, 
a negative article about him once a month, uh, and that seems to inspire him. Anyways, I'll leave it at that. We're thrilled that Nylander's got uh, played a great week. We're thrilled about the the Leafs, uh, you know, in terms of their performance. And let's uh, let's have a chat with Harry Neal, Hall of Fame broadcaster. We'll be right back. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.